Chunya Munga, welcome back. Tricky second episode. Thank you so much for coming back on and talking to me. How are you, mate? I'm good, thank you. How are you, Jess? I'm, I'm well. I'm very well. Now you you have you're feeling like a 40 year old man at the moment, aren't you, with a bad back? Yeah, yeah. It's um, it's actually a lot better now than it was. Um, but I pulled myself out of a scrum probably about two weeks ago, and then lay on my bed for about a week in uh, in agony. But now they um they fix you up and give you bits and bobs that you need to do. And yeah, so I'm on the men now. I'll hopefully be playing in the next week or so. So fingers crossed. I think crossed nothing to be worried about. It's just a little little tweak, is it? Yeah, I think it's just a, it's a, it's a bump in the road, a little bit of sport, sport wear and tear. So hopefully nothing too bad. Yeah, should be all right. Playing, the, playing these sort of games, rugby games, you're going to get these, aren't you? You're going to get these injuries yeah. backs, I suppose. Yeah, um, um, you may remember last time I asked you what your three core values were. So rather than me make you tell them again, I'm going to tell you what they yeah. were, okay? Yeah. I don't know whether you can remember. Uh, and you can tell me whether you think they're still right because all the yeah. kids sort of work within in different schools, we ask to think about this, but we also tell them that they can change at any point. So I'd be interested to know whether they've changed in the last few months. So yours were enjoyment, making sure yeah. you always enjoy everything you do, being yourself and being authentic. So you talked about wearing what you want, listening to whatever music you wanted to without you know being ashamed of any of it. Uh, and making those that love you proud. Yeah, I'd probably say that they're pretty much the same. That's, yeah, that hasn't really changed enough. And that's good, isn't it? And that's probably quite interesting because, yeah. again, I don't know how, I don't think, tell me if I'm wrong, you're the sort of person that wakes up and looks at your values on a wall and says, I'm going to live my life by these every day. Is is that something that is conscious in your mind or is it is it still not and you just kind of get up and you do the best you can still and you work hard and... Or are you are you becoming more conscious of these things as you get older? Yeah, I think actually, funnily enough, not so that I have like values sort of stripped to my wall, but um, there's only one thing that I've had. I've got a little whiteboard downstairs that I kind of plan my week on, just different things. Um, and I wrote something in there, kind of in, it wouldn't be great pidgin English, but it's the sort of the language my mum used to use when she spoke to her family and stuff. And it's just a little message that says sort of basically along the lines of, like work hard so your mum never has to work kind of thing. Just a little message like that. That's the only thing I've sort of kept. It's like in a little square and my right board has changed. I've rubbed everything up. But in that square, on sort of the right-hand side, that's always stayed there. So I don't really have like values, but um, it might sound a bit sort of, you know, cliche in the story of sort of like who I was as I grew up. But that's one thing I've always kind of kept in there. So I wrote it like that in Pigeon English because it was something a bit sort of more of the culture that I grew up in. And then it was a message that I feel is very aligned with me. So it's kind of why I do these things. And so yeah, it's not those values. Those values are probably very like important to me, but that is kind of a message I've always kept there just because I think um, when things kind of got tough at points last year, now I actually think about it, that always stayed there in that little square. And even now, probably I've had it there 18 months at board and it's still stuck there that, that one thing I still hasn't crossed that, so it's a bit even rubbed now, but that massively yeah, it's all... it really comes through that it's your third value, making those that love you proud. And obviously, your mum is very much up there as one of those people. You talked mm. a lot about her when we spoke last time. You said um then when things got tough, are you able to say like you know anything about that, or is it something that's yeah, been... yeah, of course. So, like um last year I had like a major knee injury. I tore, I think like a high grade two tear in my MCL. 
um, which was pretty tough. I'd done it before, like a tweak sort of grade one. That was like a six week recovery, but this was a three, just shy three month thing. So that was quite tough. Um, I've also now got a crooked finger, um, tore some tendons off in my finger. Um, so now it's a little bit bent. That was kind of tough just because, um, again, it's one of those injuries where you see like all the, oh, you see old rugby boys have those kind of things. And um, yeah, that was just a bit tough. Not so much the injury itself, but actually just because it was in like a period where I had a good run of games. I was actually probably playing some of my best rugby yet. And then it just went because I couldn't like, couldn't catch, couldn't grip to scrum, couldn't tackle, couldn't hit anything because like, couldn't really use my hand. Um, that was probably some of my tougher, tougher times. And in those moments when you're kind of like, oh, this is rubbish, like you, you struggle to um, stay as positive when you're not playing compared to when you are. So that kind of message just kind of brings it back to kind of what are we doing here? And I think I spoke to you last time about, um, you know, me playing as if my younger self is watching. That's kind of something I've, I've, I've kept trying to do. Um, but I probably also thought now over the last three or four months, especially during pre-season, it was kind of like play like your younger self is, so train like your younger self is watching, but work like your future self will thank you for what you did kind of thing. So it's a very like internal dialogue of, I am doing this for me um, because I, uh, like it's all about how far I've, I think I can get myself to go. So the thing yeah. that when you said that last time, that, that really stuck with me. I, and I've tried, I've tried to actually do that in every, in everything I'm doing. So I, I'm really, I love trying new things. I've started doing kickboxing. Yeah, I'm not very good. And that actually what you said is really, because I watched a video of me doing it back the other day and I watched it and I went, I am rub, really rubbish at that. But then I thought about what you said and I was like, it doesn't matter. Like you're doing, you know, you're doing, trying something new and you're having to go at something different. And yeah, definitely. I think that's really good. And that other bit you've put on the end is interesting, isn't it? That you've got to, you've got to play, you've got to play with abandon and you've got to play with, you know, enjoyment, but also in your sport, particularly, you're already picking up injuries. You've, you've obviously got to think a little bit about the long game as well. And you've got to look after mm. yourself. Yeah, definitely. And I think like going back to that, um, sort of about the, the thing, because I remember even now when I was a kid, like just little things and you sometimes you get caught up. I don't know if it's the same for other boys, but sometimes you get caught up so much in in, in trying to achieve big things that you don't appreciate maybe the little steps. Um, and and things like I remember when I was a kid, just because I was such a big kid, like just simple things that like I couldn't play on the monkey bars, like couldn't do it because I couldn't hold myself up. And like now I get to the point where obviously like you don't even think about it, but like, I can I can do like weighted chins, which sounds stupid, but as a kid I couldn't even pull myself on a bar. So it's like if you know you, that idea of play like young yourself is watching like if uh, me when I was seven, eight, nine, who couldn't get himself up on a monkey bar because he was so heavy, could see me now like pulling myself up a, a, a bar like for fun as exercise just to do it, and you don't even think, yeah, he'd, he'd be pretty shocked. So yeah, sometimes not getting caught up in the big things of all like. I've got to play in cool stadiums. I've got to play in front of crowds. Those have been great experiences. But even the day-to-day -day things like that, I'd never thought I'd be able to do. Um, yeah, just little things like that. Take take us briefly from chubby eleven-year-old Chunya to fifteen-year-old Chunya battling with his mum on protein shakes. Oh yeah, yeah, professional London Irish Hulk of a man, Chunya. Like, oh, can, can you do that? And like, can you briefly go through that process? Yeah, yeah. So. 
from 11, probably in a short space to about 15, was just me playing, as you all did as a kid, like me just playing rugby growing up for fun, um, not thinking anything of it. Like I knew I was a bit bigger than everyone else, but that was about it. Just kind of had a bit of fun, um, played with my mates. And then 15, um, I was probably in the county setup at Berkshire and then as well as my club. And then from there, um, the county sort of filtered you into an academy based on the catchment area. Um, moved into the Bronze Academy at London Irish and then from there progressed. So I did a year in the Bronze Academy, another year in the Silver Academy at sort of 16, 17, uh, sorry, 16. And then when I hit 17, 18, you move into what's called the Gold Academy. So basically sixth form boys. Um, I might have said this last time as well, but I even remember thinking when I was 17, I just didn't, I didn't really think I was any good. And I remember I got a bit of a confidence boost because I was 17 I got an email. I was actually, I remember where I was in school. I was in the, the geography block and I got an email saying, oh, she's been invited to do England under 17s training. And I was like, what, me? Like, I was like, me? Um, and so then from there, I was like, okay, cool. Uh, I went there, met a load of boys from all over the country who also played academies. I thought, right, let, let's give this a go. Gave it a go in my first year, year 12, then played my last year, year 13 of like academy school rugby and then got offered a deal at London Irish Senior Academy. Um, Got offered a two-year contract and then, yeah, it's kind of got me to where I am. That's a, that's a really quick snapshot. And now, um, 22-year-old, hopefully trying to get myself certified into the team. But it's been a cool journey to be a homegrown boy as well. Like, there's quite a few of us now, which is really good. But it's quite cool to have, have seen a lot of boys who are older than me who you kind of looked up to. And now they're boys who are in your in your team. Yeah, it's quite cool, especially from a homegrown kid. You're not... um. You're not the new fresh academy boy now, are you? You're not, you know, do you feel do you feel different? Has imposter syndrome sort of gone? And do you feel very much like you are a professional, genuinely professional rugby player? You're meant to be here. Um, I'd say uh I I definitely feel like I know a bit more about myself now. Um, I know really what I need to hammer home in terms of like my work on and improvements, but I've also kind of gained an understanding of who I am probably. As a person and a player, you learn a lot more um, from being around the boys. Like we had a meeting the other day, a team meeting for players, and they said, look, lads, the reality is we get a five-week holiday, maybe two weeks in season, maybe three weeks by week. So strap in because we've got 45 weeks together. So you learn a lot by being with the guys around you. Um, but I feel like now, especially because there's quite a few boys who I've known for a few years now and I've played together with and we've had some new guys come in, but all similar sort of young age group. Um, we're starting to, well, I've started to feel anyway more like, you know, it's it's starting to be, we're not just sort of the kids who are, are you know, seen and seen and not heard anymore. I feel like we have an opportunity now to provide we put the work in and, and try our best to, 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 to be us that can, can try and achieve something here. That's how I feel, yeah. Are they young, are they new young kids? that you're now seeing coming up that you're now looking at and going, I was you last year and you're, you know, either taking them under yeah, your, or, you know, hopefully you're being nice to them. Well, we've, um, we've got a, a guy who, if you ask any forward, who's probably been to the academy, uh, in my age, we've been a guy called John Fisher and he's very big on, he did it himself when he was a player. He's quite big on sort of the integration and like, I, I don't want to say mentoring because I wouldn't say we really mentor them too much, but we just give them like hints and, and tip stuff we might have missed when we were younger 
So I got paired with another uh, second row who's 18, 19. Um, massive. He's like 6'9", this kid. He's huge. Um, and it just kind of like before he came in, we had a few maybe Zooms, a few phone calls, um, and just kind of sat down and said, look, this is what you might expect. This is what you might not expect, or this is what is probably going to happen when you get here, or these experiences you might have, or like you're going to get shouted at and told you're a bit rubbish, but that is rugby. Like you just kind of get on with it because I remember even when we got there, like our first day or first week, sorry, we had a, a line out session and we got out there with the head forwards coach and he just said, he looked at us and went, boys, you're like, you're going to be rubbish, but I don't care. I just want you to try hard. And obviously all of us with our, with our like fresh out of school egos are like, oh, we're hot stuff. You know, we thought we were it. And he literally just said that you're going to be rubbish. So don't be disheartened because I'm going to tell you now, you are going to be poor. So yeah, it's just things like that, that now we are kind of able to maybe share with those boys who are a bit younger. And a few of the other guys in, in my sort of age group have done the same for maybe younger back rowers or front rowers, especially. I think front row is probably a real position where you have to, you need help. I've never played front row, but I look at the work that one of my mates, who's, um, who's a tight head, the work he does, it's like you need you need help, you need it. So, yeah. The, um, the thing that you said, again, going back to sort of the mindset side of trying to play like only your 12 year old self was watching in the stand, but then also flipping that and saying, you know, I think you said um, play like you're, you know, playing for yourself in the future as well. Is that I was thinking about that? And um, I know you're not a big cricket fan, even though I tried to get you to play cricket a few times. I don't know whether you followed like the test team, but they brought in Brendan McCullum, Kiwi, and Ben right. Stubbs, right, as, as captain and coach. And test cricket is something that it is quite tricky to get people into because it's perceived as being boring it's slow it's five days and what they've tried to do is really similar to what you you said they've said go out and be yourself they're basically your values be yourself be authentic play the way you want to play paint your own canvas and play a bit like you said just play like it's only you play for yourself don't play the way that everyone else wants you to play and that's they got slammed a little bit but actually they've come through and won I think six or seven test matches in a row and now they're starting, you know, what the media's like now they're saying, oh, it's fantastic to see this. Crazy, you know? yeah, yeah, but yeah. I just, I was wondering whether that's something that you could pick up on again, because is are you going into this season, even though you, I know you've picked up an injury now, are you, is that still at the forefront of your mind when you're talking to Psych Mike, your mindfulness um, yeah. psychology guru guy, is that still the kind of the concept that we're looking at or is it shifting a bit more and changing a bit more now as you're becoming a slightly older player? I think... Well, I think I'm still, still, it's weird because I've, I've been very privileged to say that I've been able to play for the club on a few occasions and probably a bit more than I think I thought initially when I came in. Um, but I still do believe I've, like, it's not I believe, I know I have so much to do. So I think now it's kind of, I, I, I understand now probably what's a bit more expected of me and maybe what I think is my kind of player, my kind of strength. So I think psychologically, when I go into things now, um, I, I want to try and play with a bit more freedom. But the, the honesty that comes with that is, is that when you listen to guys who have played 100 more games than me and 50 more international games and 60 more, you know what I mean? They tell you that the reason they can play with the freedom and it looks like they're playing with the freedom they have is because they've done the work. Um, so, I mean, I'm not saying in... Uh, Next week, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be there. It's not going to take me another year. It's not going to take me another two because we're talking about guys who have had 
10 years of international experience. But what you can get some peace in is that sometimes we are so um, outcome-based, and this is something I've learned probably from Mike and some of the sessions he runs, is sometimes we're very outcome-based. Actually, you have to think about what was my process? What did I set out to do? If I, I, I remember I had a point with him where I was saying like, I'm, Mike, I don't want to make mistakes. And he said, that's rubbish. He was like, in a game, top quality players in every game will make around seven mistakes. That's across all sport. Um, so he was like, what makes you think you as an unexperienced, non-international, three years into your career, type five forward, is going to make less than seven mistakes? What makes you think you're special? And that was like, okay, cool. So you kind of accept that, yes, things are going to go wrong, but rather than being always outcome-based, what is the process? What what can I do to minimise those things happening? Because they're going to happen, but what can I do to close that gap, close the gap, close the gap? Yeah. That's really, I think what I'm taking from that is you put it really well is you've got to be really, you've got to have real intent and purpose in your training, right? That's the whole point. Yeah, yeah you're well and good saying, oh, you know, play like with enjoyment and like, you know, only kids watching, but that's all well and good unless you're like, you know, making massive mistakes and not being picked and then not playing at the highest level. So you've got to put in the work. And if you put in the work physically and mentally, then that's when you go on the pitch and hopefully enter a state like Johnny Wilkinson. um, I don't know whether you've listened to any of his recent pods, obviously very philosophical, very intellectual, interesting chap. And he call, he calls it the flow. If you can get to that point where you put the work in, like you said, and you and then that's when you experience flow in a game, that peak flow experience where you talked about it before, where you have to be in try and be in the moment as much as you can. And, and, and again, that you know, that goes across all um facets of life, doesn't it? If if any if everyone can can enjoy the process and the moments rather than constantly thinking about the work that you've done and the work ahead, that is obviously important as well, especially in your career. But it's that it's that dual process of putting in work and then trying to enjoy the process of of training and playing as well, and that's probably quite hard hard balance to strike. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, as I, as I said, it's something I'm trying to probably learn from a mental side of things as well as a physical. Um, but it is about not being always outcome driven. If I if I throw myself in at 100 percent and and give everything to my skills in the week and try and nail my preparation and tick boxes, I believe, will prepare me for the game. If the game doesn't go as well as I would have liked it to, okay, cool, that's fine. But I know I've given everything towards the intent of trying to perform at my best. So that's when you go, okay, cool. Sometimes things just don't go your way, but you've given everything in terms of the process to try and get there. Um, And it's something I'm still trying to learn. I haven't found probably an ironed on process just yet for me. I think um, I've got into a kind of rhythm and an idea of what it might look like, but I'm still probably searching for that sweet spot in terms of what my process might look like, yeah. I really like how you talk about outcome and process um, at UHQ and, and the work that we're doing with schools. We're trying to get students to set their own values and then goals align with those values. And often students will naturally set outcome goals, things like play rugby for England or get an A star in maths or, you know, whatever it is. And when we spoke before, you actually said, and I quote, numbers do not stimulate or or motivate you. Um, Do you have specific goals that you set now? Are they only process? Is there merit in some outcome-based goals? Like we spoke before, is is one of the outcomes to play for the Lions? Is one of the outcomes to play X number of games? Or are you still quite focused on process goals? so that you can get to the place you want to be? 
think, no, I think I'll be kidding myself if I said I didn't want to play for England and I didn't want to play for the Lions. It's like if you are playing professional sport in any facet and you don't want to get to the top, I probably question, you know, why you're there. However, it's not something I wake up every day and think about. Um, it's like, I don't think yet I'm in a position with, you know, my skills and experience to go, you know, I want to play for England tomorrow. I haven't reached that point yet, but I do think that I'm in the point where I think, okay, cool. I'm working on these skills at the moment. How can I maximize myself and, and, and get there? And I think even so, like I've always kind of said, I remember sitting down probably when I was 18 and I first got here and someone said to me, what is your goal? And I said, I, I want to be the best player I can be and find my ceiling. I just want to find my ceiling. Um, because I believe that, you know, your ceiling can shift and change. And, you know, I remember when I was probably 18, 19, my goal was to, to, to make my senior debut. And then, so you get to that ceiling. Okay, cool. My next goal was to play in the premiership. Okay, cool. I, I got to that ceiling. My next game was to start in the premiership. Okay, I hit that ceiling. And so before you realise it, rather than going, oh, I, I, I want to play for England, and you have to go from nothing where you're getting, you know, sent on loan to maybe National 2 or National 1, and then you're looking at it like this. It was like, right, can I get the team? Can I get to this bit? Can I get to this bit? Can I get to this bit? And look, listen, that's the way I see it for me. I think you've got to find a way that you can break this down for you. But for me personally, it's if I can sit at the end of this and go, I tried everything. I gave it literally everything. If it didn't work out, I can be at peace. But I have. I feel like you have to try and be as best as you can be. Um, that's just the way I see it. How do you know whether you're kidding yourself or whether you just have to be, you have to have that self-belief? So for example, let's say you got to a point where you thought, well, you know, this is my, this is my ceiling. London Irish first team is my ceiling. Yeah. Don't, would you argue that, and I'm sure we talked about this before, that the best players just have the self-belief that there is almost no ceiling. So that, that England or, or that the, um, the Lions or whatever, whatever it is, where do you, is there a balance between being realistic and having the ultimate self-belief that you can be, you know, the best, the best player in the world? Well, I think for me, the realism comes day to day and then your like astronomical dreams are uh, at the end of, uh, at the end of this road. You don't know how long it's going to be, but like, I believe that day to day is, is, you know, the, the chipping away. Are you chipping away day to day? Because I can only wake up one day and do as well as I can today on that day, if that makes sense. You're going to be present. I can't do well tomorrow today. Like You can't do it. You can tee yourself up, i.e. in my world that might be, have I practiced a skill? Have I eaten right? Have I recovered? Have I slept right? So it means I can try and do more tomorrow, but I can only do what I can do today. I, I can't play well on Saturday and training on a Monday. can't do it. Um, but I think like in order to, to maybe find your ceiling or if you believe there is no ceiling, you have to, you just have to try and do it every day. Like, that's what I think. Um, you would were, I say, Chini, you're routine. Like, do you, are you routine? Do you get up, you know, you've got your little whiteboard and you, you map yeah. up the week and your day. Do you have this, do you, are you, do you believe in routine? Do you get up? Do you I do, do believe in, sorry, yeah, sorry. 
that's okay. I was just going to say, do you go mobility, cold shower? You know, is it the same or do you just kind of go with the flow a little bit and see how you feel? No, I'm a bit, it's a bit of a mix and match. So probably more fun enough on training days. I'm probably a bit more relaxed. So like on a training day, I'll know I need to stretch. So like from my back at the moment, I need to do a certain amount of mobility. Probably before that, I would, I've got a bit of a dodgy ankle. So I'd probably try and get a bit there. Um, so I do mobility say like that I would make sure in the gym I've done certain things so if we have like a lower day I've got activation I need to do for my knees because I'm big I've got patellar issues at times um, and then like I might have some catch pass skills I might want to do and some light jumping skills I want to do but on a day where I'm training for example that will filter when I find the time I won't go right 3 45 4 o'clock whereas today because we actually have no structure and it's an off day like I wrote last night in my notes like eight o'clock wake up 8 30 breakfast 9 30 I was in my car 9 50 I'd started my like extra weights I wanted to do 11 I had my massage 12 and then basically you are now you know one of you're now one of my checkpoints so after I've finished you I'm tidy in my bedroom for 40 45 minutes did I, did I get on the whiteboard you haven't actually made it on the whiteboard no wow. you're on my notes today I've done it on the notes on my phone, but maybe yeah so maybe we do one more I'll get on the whiteboard and then I know yeah, yeah maybe maybe but it's yeah, it's funny because um, you don't think about it and you probably actually now, having just left teaching, would probably find that I've spent probably since I can remember, maybe since the age of six in routine. Like some guys, you know, left school at 18 and went to uni and they had a, a loose routine. Uni is kind of a loose routine you do as and when. But I remember finishing my A-level maths exam. I went straight into pre-season and since then... I've been told when to have breakfast, when to gym, when to wait. Um, and yeah, it might have only been three and a half years of me doing it, but from school, I've just been so conditioned. So I try and create a routine. Yeah, I try. That is interesting, isn't it? And you're right, like, pushing it back on me. I felt very similar in that I've left teaching, that routine's gone. And yeah, that lack of structure, you have to build that in, don't you, for yourself? I think sometimes because it just gives you that control back. And I think that it gives you that opportunity to to be productive as well which is good to hear um look mental health is something that we touched on last time you are you always have struck me and I, and I think you agree as someone with resilience and you've got mental toughness and you've got to in in the career that you're you're forging for yourself um the more I do work with schools on this the more there seems to be they call it a mental health crisis um whether that's true or not very difficult one. What what tips can you give young people that you've learned through all the resilience that you've built, especially playing a sport like rugby, where mental toughness is arguably as important, if not more important than physical toughness? Can you give young people any sort of little sneak takeaway tips or advice that 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 you've picked up along the way? I know it's I know mental health is not something that you've um, personally struggled with yourself, but is there anything that you've reflected on? Um. Yeah, I think um, from my own personal experiences and now I could probably say I've never had long periods of suffering in terms of that, that psychological and mental side. So, you know, it's is quite lucky to say. But what, one thing I found, especially through school, and I think if I could say anything, you know, if I could speak to my younger self, you know, I'd, I'd do it in that way. Like I understood maybe what I wanted to do and find... I found myself a purpose. So I didn't think, you know, I was going to just follow the crowd. I think I remember growing up and rugby was just something that gave me a lot of purpose. I felt 
like I really, really, really belonged in something. It was not only just the rugby, but it was the gym, sort of my mates being around me. And so I think for me, it's not always like for some people, the the, the stimulus might be internal or external, but I found that external support in rugby. Um, but it might be like, listen, if you like art, if you like music, dedicate, I don't know, two hours, maybe an hour a day. So two hours is quite a lot because... I know rugby are on pitch, but maybe do an hour a day if, if you like that. If you like language, go and learn it and, and find something that gives you purpose that not necessarily everyone around you might do. Um, because, you know, when things do get tough and, you know, rugby gets tough and sometimes it's not easy to go in, even though I love it. But having something that I feel like I can commit to that is completely different you know it's, it's external to my personality it might be external to my worries it might be external to yeah obviously you might have bad days at rugby but you know if I had family stress as a kid growing up if I felt a bit you know insecure about going to school or like if I was struggling with my my work or something at school as soon as I touched that pitch it was gone like it disappeared it didn't matter if you know I was trying to get an A star in my maths or someone next to me and my team was just trying to get their C to pass and go to college or I was trying to get into a, a good sixth form because that's what my mum wanted for me kind of thing. All of that went out the window. It was about you, the ball, and how much you wanted to play. So, yeah, find maybe a different stimulus, just something outside of school that, you know, you can really, really get your teeth into and then you often find that being positive and, and, and enjoying yourself outside of there will, will translate. That's a great message. I think you're, yeah, finding purpose and meaning is absolutely the key isn't it that's a really really good point hard to do but I think you're right that's that's where periods of some kind of introspection and self-reflection you need to think what do you like doing why do you like doing it can you do it a bit more often really good are you still pretty anti-social media I know that's quite a bold claim but this is the quote last time you said when you have kids you'll give them brick phones I still I yeah I still think I still think it honestly just because even now I'm bad. Like I will just scroll through social media and like, it's bad. I'm not somebody, I'm not probably as bad as one of my housemates. Um, I'm not going to name drop him, but like TikTok and Instagram, it's just half an hour goes and you've done nothing and you've watched 30 reels and you couldn't tell anyone what you've actually watched. Like it's, it's, it's bad. And I make that joke about give them brick phones, but like, I didn't, I didn't have any of this stuff growing up. Um, so I don't feel like it's fully ingrained in me because I didn't grow up with it. I kind of, it kind of evolved um, as I've kind of got a bit older and now it's almost like at its peak, obviously every, yeah. So I don't know. I, I, heard, it I, don't know I heard it described today on, a, on another podcast as a uh, sort of modern day drug the sort of the worst, one of the worst drugs. Kind of, yeah, yeah. So no, it's just, it's honestly the t- like, it is bad. It is bad. It's just at the time, and you know, you get that little ping on your iPhone now that goes, you spent three hours on your phone today, and you're like, what was I actually doing? Mm. Um, in fairness, we get you know some of our detail and 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 analysis and stuff sent through, so you have that screen time. But then I think like, you go on and says you spent an hour, twenty minutes on Instagram, and I'm like. What, like I couldn't, I couldn't tell you what I watched or what I saw. Um, I have to, yeah, I have to physically detach myself now. 
So yeah. actually not carry it, like leave it. And then and then I have that pang of where's my phone? And then I have to like, yeah. myself and go, no, you chose to leave it in your bedroom because you don't yeah. want to be looking at it all the time. Um, I will leave that there. Thank you. Um, I was going to ask you what a couple more things. One, when you see your peers doing these great things, playing for England, you know, going over to Australia, scoring tries, doing cool stuff, does that motivate you? Do you watch that and go? I want a piece of that or, you know, do you, are you just happy for them? How does it, how does that make you feel when you see Yeah, no, I think first and foremost, um, I'm quite happy for them. I think I would, I would just, yeah, I'll, I'm just sort of very, very happy to say that like, these are like the boys in my team, you know what I mean? For, especially as, not only as like a player, but I used to watch something when I was growing up and we had some, some cool players, but we were always a team that, you know, occasionally, would, well, I say occasionally, we struggled quite a lot probably, you know, between the Premiership and Championship, and now we're a team that's got boys that are doing exciting things. So as a fan of my, like of the club, sometimes it is quite cool. Um, but for me personally, yeah, definitely, I I'd love to be a part of, and I feel like that is sort of a for me. I think where I can get to is sort of an ambition of mine to be a part of that. You know, exciting young, but you know, performance based and 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 winning London Irish side. Um, I think for the boys that have gone and done it, um, I mean, one of my housemates, um, Hot Topic, Henry Arundel, like you, you know, you, you see him doing all of this stuff and there's a lot of excitement, but also boys like I lived with Will Joseph last year. He's a bit, he's a bit of a quiet character, but then like he gets on the pitch and he's a very good player. But even so, like Russell Collins, Loda, um, Tom Part, and now you look at like Tom Pearson, Josh Basham, um, you know, like guys who are, really good rugby players but also I think the, the the best part about it I think is a lot all, like all of us boys are homegrown obviously we have this these incredible international talents but it's just cool that these are like these guys grew up in Windsor Reading I was going to say like that's really cool that you're homegrown there's that real cu- strong culture of young players that you've come through together do you think yeah. that's something London Irish focused on do you think it's just a bit of coincidence what, what where do what do you put that on well I think I mean I know bits of the history of the club and I think it's always been a club that has had a strong, a strong academy, um, and unfortunately, it's had a history of we we've lost a few of those guys, and I think actually now maybe moving forward, it might be something that they've gone. You know, I'm not a coach, I'm not sitting on the coaches' meetings, but they might have gone. Look, we've got an opportunity here to to try and do something cool with guys who who, who understand our club. And not to say the guys come in don't. It's just that you know a lot of us boys would have been to the games. When we were kids, we'd have watched the games. Like one of the boys, Jack Cook. Um, like there was a picture when he captained us in the, in the Prem last year. There's a picture of him getting led out by one of the, the captains when he was a mascot at like five. And then obviously, you know, 15, 20 years later, he's leading the boys up. So it's just stuff like that, you know, that's, yeah, it's probably, it's, it's quite cool to be a part of, yeah. That's really cool. Um, last question. Um, it's your AT. You feel like you're AT right now because you've got a bad back, uh, yeah. gnarled fingers, and your mate is saying uh, a speech about you on your 80th. In, a, in brief, how do you want to be remembered when you're 80 years old? When I'm 80 years old, you know, I think I even, I'm probably going to say something I think I said last time, but I want the the rugby now, it takes so much, so much of your life and you think about it, but I don't want that to be the first thing people say. I want people to say that he was someone that when you needed him, he could like be around I want to be, you know, hopefully a, a good father and a good husband. And by the time I get to there, I hope that's the truth. Um, but also, like, 
I would like to sit back and, you know, have my cool caps and cool shirts and stuff. And, you know, from tours I've been on and these great memories. And I would like people to say, you know, I was a good part of, you know, teams and squads they've been in just because you put so much work in. But really, I just want to be remembered as a good guy um, who was, yeah, able to just kind of be around and if you needed him, you could just give him a call kind of thing, yeah. Well, I needed you to do this again and you did it. <laughs> uh and i think you are brilliant at this and uh if any you know the people that are out there and listening you are a fantastic role model to young players um my nine-year-old i really would love him to get i mean i've, I've told you before and i'll tell you again he's a he's a really good little rugby player um he will definitely be listening to this because i think the not only are you physically obviously a fantastic player but because you're highly intelligent and you think about what makes the mindset of a champion and what motivates you. I think that sort of thing's going to hold you in really good stead. Wish you well with your recovery from injury uh, and look forward to seeing you back on the pitch very soon, looking up in the stands and imagining that it's just 12-year-old junior watching you. Yeah, but, yeah. yeah, and I'm still waiting for that goose step, 80-metre surge, <laughs> frog splash down, try time, uh, and the champagne will come out. Yeah, like, did you see uh, Did you see Genji at the weekend against... Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah, that's not coming out of me. Let's be very, very clear. Junior, <laughs> thanks so much for your time again. No worries, cheers. All the best. Take care, mate. Cheers.